College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. Time changes all things. One place, however, has sustained the tradition for so long that it has evolved into legend. We did a poll and said who has had the most wins, more bowl wins, more top 25 finishes, more 10 win seasons between Notre Dame and Clemson over the last 38 years. Everybody would say Notre Dame, and they'd be wrong. It's Clemson. We're wired to think that we're going to win the game. I'm excited for that challenge. We're on a mission. We want to win an ACC championship. It is the game of championship weekend, which will be capped off by the college football playoff selection show on noon Eastern Sunday. I'm Wendy Nix with Greg McElroy and Todd Luganville. It's the game we've been talking about all week and with good reason. It is the rematch. We know what happened the last time Clemson and Notre Dame squared off. It was in November, and it was the Fighting Irish who came out on top in a double overtime thriller. The final tally, 47 to 40. But that was without the services of Trevor Lawrence. He was sidelined due to COVID-19. And now these two meet again, an ACC championship on the line. We have reporters with both teams. Marty Smith is with Clemson, Jen Latta at Notre Dame. And Marty, we'll start with you. And certainly, what makes Trevor Lawrence so special? He's a rare talent, Wendy. He's 33-1 and one as the starter here at Clemson University, the lone blemish last year's national championship game against LSU. And his head coach, Dabo Sweeney, says that's the only bad game Lawrence has ever played in a Clemson Tiger uniform. Dabo's out of superlatives for this young man. And he said it's going to be the same exact thing when he gets to the next level. He said he's going to be as good as there is the second he steps into the NFL. Yes, the game will be faster. But Dabo says there's nothing he'll see up there that he hasn't seen in practice here at Clemson or in those 34 games he started in a Tiger uniform. He said, Dabo said, the thing that really separates Trevor Lawrence from other great players is the ability to be where his feet are, to be in the moment, and he'll certainly have to do that against Notre Dame. Now, where were his feet today, Wendy? Graduation. In fact, he literally just drove into the parking lot here, stopped and hollered at us, and went in there to study some tape on Notre Dame. Now let's head up to South Bend where Jen Latta is with the Iris. Jen? Marty, that is a great story. I love it. Um, Brian Kelly, let's talk about him for one moment. He likened this rematch to playing your little brother in half-court basketball. He said you can throw out the X's and O's, throw out the scheme, even throw out the talent, because it comes down to will and how badly your opponent doesn't want to lose again. Now, obviously, he has been reviewing the film from the last time that these two teams faced off, and he said that a fast start was a big reason for their success. So he said it is, quote, very, very important this time around for them to get out to a fast start again. In addition, maintain that high energy throughout four quarters of the game. So the question becomes, how do you do that? This week, they have been focusing on two things, guys, consistency and making sure that they are taking it one play at a time. They say that's how they'll be able to beat Clemson this weekend. Jen, Marty, thank you. As we take a look again, what's at stake? An ACC championship, and Notre Dame will be the sixth team Clemson has faced with an ACC championship on the line since 2015. The Tigers have won the previous five conference title games by an average of 25 points per game. 
Greg, I know you've had the chance to study the film of this first game, and things will be different. Uh, a number of players back for the Tigers. But even so, as you look at what happened then, what do you believe will be the deciding factor on Saturday? Well, Wendy, it's really going to be about whether or not Notre Dame can create big plays on the ground like they did last time and win one-on-one -on -one matches on the perimeter. When we look at it, it's really the first opportunity against Clemson the first time around. You have an unbelievably talented offensive line. You have an unbelievably talented off uh, running back. Look at the convergence here. You got a couple linemen blocking down. You have a couple linemen blocking out. Next thing you know, it's a seal here, a seal here. And next thing you know, your running back's out the gate, one-on-one -on -one with a safety, and he makes a guy miss, and he's next thing you know he's finding pay dirt another thing here sometimes he's gonna have to enter the hole in a different spot plays designed to go left well it collapses on the right side of the offensive line he cuts it all the way back makes a guy miss next thing you know falls down inside the 10 to set up first and goal then they go to a little bit more of an aggressive front and man coverage on the perimeter Notre Dame did a great job of winning these one-on-one -on -one matchups throughout the first game. A beautiful throw there by Ian Book on the back shoulder. And those are the plays they're going to have to make consistently throughout the course of the game if they're going to knock off the Clemson Tigers for the second consecutive time. Luke's well, Greg, hey, listen, I, I tell you, from a Clemson perspective in Notre Dame, you know, I'm not a big stats guy, but I can tell you right now, stats that matter are the ones that affect winning and losing. And I've got four of them for you. It's going to be rush attempts, turnover margin, third down conversion rate, and average yards per pass attempt. If you win three out of those four or four out of those four, you're not losing the game. And in the first matchup, Notre Dame won three out of those four. Now, the reason why I say that is two of those three that they won were third down and if Clemson was abysmal on third down, Notre Dame was over 50%. And then it was really all about the turnovers. Three turnovers for Clemson, one for Notre Dame. So if you're better on third down this time around, Clemson, if you are able to maintain possession of the football, I think you're the better team top to bottom. I agree with Greg. That other third or uh, fourth stat, the rush attempts, Notre Dame won that one too because of the ground game in the first contest. So I think we can dissect this a lot of different ways, but it really comes down to third down conversion and protecting the football. Well, and it will all come down to 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, this game on ABC. Again, Notre Dame and Clemson playing for an ACC championship. Let's take a look now at our Dr. Pepper championship drive game of the week preview the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game. It has number 10 Oklahoma, number 6 Iowa State. This is at noon Eastern on ABC. Iowa State won the regular season matchup by a touchdown 37 to 30. Since then, Tom, we've seen some notable improvement from that Oklahoma defense. Uh, how has it shown uh, the improvement we've seen? Well, I'll tell you what, they're playing smarter, they're playing more aggressive, they're better tackling team, and they're starting to look the part uh, within their front seven, and they're able to cause destruction with their front four. Let's take a look at some clips here. I think this first clip shows how well prepared they are. A lot of eye candy in the backfield for Oklahoma State. Front seven's not fooled, and they know what's coming. They know the slant is coming behind the middle linebacker and the weak side safety. They walk up, they deflect it. They create the turnover, get the interception, and that's just from film study. That's knowing what you're seeing and going out and executing the call. 
And then I think secondly, it's really about the ability to create one-on-one -on -one pass rush opportunities on the edge. Ronnie Perkins is on the edge. You've got number 90, the defensive tackle, occupying the double team. Now you get the strip sack fumble, another turnover, defense causes it. And then lastly, the sugar huddle up into the, into the uh, gap. You don't know how many guys are coming for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State only sees a three-man rush, but you see the collapsing of the pocket from the nose guard forces an early and errant throw. I just think this is a team that right now is being defined by defense. I know Oklahoma's all about offense, but defense is why they're playing their best football right now. But, Luke's part of the reason why they've struggled against Oklahoma State, or excuse me, against Iowa State over the last couple of years is because of the length that Iowa State has at wide receiver. This dates back all the way to when Baker Mayfield was a quarterback. If you look at Oklahoma in the secondary, they're not diminutive, but they're not 6'3", they're not 6'2", and when you look at Iowa State, they might not be able to run with Oklahoma as far as speed is concerned, but they have length that Oklahoma doesn't like to see on the perimeter. Charlie Kolar is a great example. He's six foot six, six foot seven at tight end. And if you split him out, which they've done from time to time, Iowa State has, and put him on an island against an undersized corner, it's going to be a really difficult matchup for Oklahoma. So if you look at it over the last few times that Iowa State has played against Oklahoma, they've really struggled matching up in one-on-one. -on -one. So we'll see whether or not the Cyclones can create those matchups yet again in the championship game. Another rematch, this time with the Big 12 championship on the line. Again, that game at noon Eastern coming your way Saturday. Coming your way here on College Football Live, Kirk Herbstreet sits down with Ian Book. He'll talk about the highly anticipated rematch with Clemson. Greg has the keys to victory, though, for all 10 quarterbacks playing in the Power 5 championship games. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper the official drink of Fansville. Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Dr. Pepper. Four teams, two semifinals, New Year's Day, the college football playoff lives on ESPN. The College Football Playoff National Championship Trophy presented by Dr. Pepper. Ian Book's 30 wins as the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish are the most in school history. Book sat down with Kirk Herbstreet to talk about everything from his place in school history to Saturday's rematch with Clemson. There is nothing like starting your first game for this institution. Ian Book throws his first Notre Dame touchdown. Let's go back to that, that North Carolina game your freshman year, thinking about you, you being inserted and, and playing, and go from that game to becoming the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. How would you describe that journey for you? Uh, it's been unbelievable. I, I say it all the time, it's been a dream come true. Uh, I remember that first game you know, against North Carolina like it was yesterday. And then, you know, be, to be able to go back and play at North Carolina again this year, it was awesome just to kind of see this dream play out. And it's, it's been an unbelievable journey. I just feel really fortunate. And to be the winningest quarterback, it, you know, I never would have thought that would have happened. And it's, it's unbelievable. And there's a lot of people, you know, in my corner that I need to thank that helped me achieve that goal. I want to ask you a question about Notre Dame. Um, there's a perception before you even got on campus 
there's almost, I'm just be honest, almost nationally an eye roll when people bring up a Notre Dame. Like, ah, oh, you know, they're overrated. Maybe it's not so much this year because people have seen you play Clemson, but do you guys feel that, that it's like an eye roll, Notre Dame? Yeah, we talk about it, and I, I don't know if there's a specific reason for it. I think it's just because it's Notre Dame. You know, there's an outside noise that doubts Notre Dame. I kind of like it, and I think our team likes it. Just use it, use that as fuel. You know, it's a chip on our shoulder that, you know, we got to win every game, we want to win every game, and we believe that we can compete and uh, make it to the playoffs and go win a national championship. Game over! Notre Dame knocks off number one! The Fighting Irish celebrate a win over top-ranked Clemson. What did you guys learn about yourselves uh, in, in that win over Clemson when you guys played earlier this year? You know, before that game, we everybody believed we could win. That's what I felt. You know, there was no doubt. This team knew we could go into that game and, and get a W. And uh, that's how we feel, you know, going to play them again in this ACC championship. They're a great team. It's a great matchup. But when you got everyone on the same page believing that you can win, that's something special. I've heard a lot of, well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. Well, Skalski wasn't there. Tyler Davis wasn't there. Well, well, well. And I'm guessing that that's just creating something for a team that likes a chip on their shoulder. That's got to be cranking right now this week. Right. It's, it, we're kind of saying it all week. Well, our 11 guys will be there. You know what I mean? Like, the guys we are going to play with will be there. And that's what matters. But... I'm excited that all those guys are back and, you know, we can play them uh, and have all those people, you know, be quiet once it, the game's over and we can get this win. But it's adding fuel to the fire, you know. I think it'll be an awesome matchup, but at the end of the day, it's about our guys. The Pac-12 will start the Power 5 Conference Championships off with 13 USC facing Oregon. That's Friday at 8 Eastern. The other four games will be played Saturday, Alabama and Florida offer up the nightcap. All right, both of you quarterbacks, both of you won championships, so you know a thing or two about playing in these games. So let's go through these 10 quarterbacks who are playing in the Power 5 Conference Championship games and look at what's important. And we'll start, Greg, with you and Clemson's Trevor Lawrence. He, he has to do a great job on first and second down so that they can have success on third down. That was really the key the first time around. They weren't very good with the football. They were sloppy. And they were 4 of 15 on third downs. And that's just not going to be good enough to go against a team that's as good and as disciplined as Notre Dame. The only way to beat them is to sustain drives. They didn't do a good job of it last time. Needed to be better this time around. Yeah, I tell you what, for me, it's Ian Book continuing to use his legs. Extend plays. If it's there, go ahead and use your instincts and take it. I think Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese have done a good job in letting him know that it's okay. If you see the front door, take it. Don't take negative plays. His legs have been the difference. All right, how about the SEC Mac championship Jones. game? Greg, <laughs> Mac Jones. <laughs> I jumped you, Wendy. I'm all excited to talk about this game. Mac Jones has been amazing. And I think the big thing is being accurate down the field. And they have done such a great job of creating big plays through the air every single week. But when they're not there, be patient. No need to push it. No need to force it. Take what the defense gives you, and you will win the game. I tell you, Greg, nobody's come up with a remedy for Kyle Pitts. If he goes this week, 11 touchdowns in seven games. So Florida hopes to sustain drives, and they get in the red area, they better score because they're going to have some limited opportunities to keep pace with Alabama. Look to 84. Nobody, nobody has a blueprint for how to stop it. 
All right, then there's the Big Ten championship game. Greg, Peyton Ramsey. He's got to be athletic, and this is a pass rush for the Buckeyes that has been pretty good, but it's also a secondary for the Buckeyes that has been exploited from time to time. So when there are opportunities in the pass game, and there might not be many, there might be three or four, Peyton Ramsey has to hit those big plays because I don't think they can sustain drives and just nickel and dime right down the field. they got to have some big plays in the offense. Greg, I actually feel the same way about Justin Fields. I think their play-action passing game off their power run game, whether you're slightly moving the pocket in the launch point or not, they've got to come up, get over the top, and rely on those explosive playmakers to get big chunks of yards that result in points. It's got to come off the play-action game. All right, let's look at the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship. Greg, Spencer Rattler. Not all that dissimilar to Mac Jones. The one thing I would add when discussing Spencer Rattler is understand your place within the offense. And also, what got you in trouble earlier in the year and what led to you guys starting one and two for the first time in a long time was turnovers. Be smart with the football. Know when to take your chances. You know, for me, for Brock Purdy, don't get greedy. Take what the defense gives you. You've been so good at being efficient and not putting your team behind the sticks. And oh, by the way, not too dissimilar to Ian Book, run it. They've decided to run him a little bit. He's been really good in the zone read game. Really excited to see this matchup, Greg. All right, finally, fellas, the Pac-12 championship. Greg, Tyler Shuck. The one thing he needs to be really cognizant of is the pressure package that they're going to bring. Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator for USC, has a little bit of an unusual look, and he will make sure that there are unblocked guys that are rushing the Oregon starting quarterback. So Shuck needs to be really smart about when those pressures are coming, where they're coming from, and where his quick answers are for when those pressures come. You know, for me, it's all about Keaton Slovis. And, and Greg, you saw this guy, what, uh, last week? And I thought he made some really good pre-snap judgments. The fade route to Amon Ross St. Brown, that wasn't supposed to be a fade. He got to the line of scrimmage, saw the matchup he liked. You know what? Wasn't hesitant, unleashed it. I think the key on slow is for USC offensively. He's got to go out there and play free, make the calls. If he likes a matchup, go ahead and make the call at the line of scrimmage. Gentlemen, that's how you get it done. Who needs to play? We got this all figured out. There, my friends, <laughs> is the blueprint you need. If it were only that easy. Time now, though, for our Wendy's Wake Up, brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. Oregon won the Pac-12 championship game last season. They look to be the first team since Stanford to repeat as conference champions. A win for the Ducks would break a tie with the Cardinal for the most championship game wins. Up next, we'll put you, yeah, that's you, to the test on social media. Who will be the last team in the college football playoff? We'll have your answer and ours coming up. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper, the official drink of Fansville. College Football Conference Championship Weekend highlighted by this lineup Saturday on ABC. It's the Big 12 Championship. That's Oklahoma and Iowa State at noon, then Clemson and Notre Dame in the rematch. And finally, Tulsa taking on Cincinnati in the AAC title game. Sunday, we'll wrap it all up with the college football playoff selection show at 9 Eastern, 9 Pacific, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. 
Let's take a look at the one final team vote brought to you by Dr. Pepper. For the four college football playoff teams, Ohio State won the vote at 48%, followed by Texas A&M at 28 uh, Before we go, let's look, guys, at the most realistic combination of a win and a loss that could send this thing, uh, you know, into chaos and have the playoff picture change. Lukes, I'll start with you. Well, if you want the most chaos, I would say it's Florida beating Alabama. But the most realistic would be, in my opinion, I think you're looking at Notre Dame beating Clemson again, getting Clemson out of the top four. Then that leads into Texas A&M. If they beat Tennessee, the debate of who's number four. It's got to be Notre Dame over Clemson because yeah. even – if Florida were to beat Alabama, I think most people assume that Alabama would actually still be in the playoffs. So that's a whole other issue that we would have to discuss. But if, in fact, that does happen and Notre Dame pulls off the upset yet again, I think it's A&M. As much as I think it should be Cincinnati because they've done so much and they've had no opportunities to prove their worth against some of the best people, uh, I still definitely lean towards, towards A&M being the most likely that the committee would go with when considering the four. Well, how about this, Greg? I'll pose this question to you. In your, in, in, what about Iowa State if they beat Oklahoma? <laughs> then they'd be the first two-loss team to ever make the playoff, Lugs. As much <laughs> as I think Iowa State's an excellent team and have definitely ironed out the problems that have occurred down the stretch, right. I just don't know if they're going to be willing to overlook the fact that they lost two games, one of which to the Louisiana team that is in the group of five. Yeah. All right, guys, and of course, the oh. rematch everybody talking about, you know, the chaos. It's like getting a new puppy, right? That's what we could see if, uh, <laughs> if these things go south. So, I'm looking forward to a great weekend of college football. Everybody, <laughs> go Tigers, I might say. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. I said bye. <laughs>